There was a Natihoa Rangatira, one of the Tainui chiefs called Wuramu Nakuku, who in 1835 gave his blessing to the establishment of a CSM, CMS mission station. CMS refers to the Anglican Church Missionary Society. The mission station was located at Matamata in the Waikato. Alfred Brown and his wife Charlotte opened the station in April 1835. The Matamata Pa site was outside the current Matamata Township. It was up the road a little, travelling northwest near Waharoa. It is in the opposite direction of Peter Jackson's Hobbiton village, which is southwest of Matamata. Wiramu Nakutu, sorry, Wiramu Nakuku, had a ten-year-old daughter named Tarori, who attended the mission school and learned to read there under the tutelage of Charlotte Brown. Teromapai Aruka, that is the Gospel of Luke, had only recently been translated into Te Reo Māori, and Tarori was given a copy. She was considered a prodigy because as a ten-year-old she would memorise and recite portions of the Gospel to her people. Sometimes there were crowds of 200 and 300 people listening to the Gospel in Māori from this young girl. Tribal tensions were developing in the area at the time and the Browns were persuaded to evacuate the school to Tauranga in October 1836. Wiramu Nakuku and a CMS missionary, John Flat, led a party of children over the Kaimai Range. Altogether there were 24 of them, and among them was Torori, who wore her precious copy of the Gospel of Luke in a small kitty around her neck. They travelled to the Wairere Falls and made camp for the night on the 18th of October. Unfortunately, their campfire was attracted, uh, sorry, their campfire attracted a Nati Fakawe raiding party from Rotorua. The party was led by a warrior called Paroa Tewita. Sadly, Tarori, who was then 12 years old, was killed while still on her sleeping mat, and the book and the kitty that was around her neck was gone. Her death created the desire for Utu, a revenge attack. But at her funeral, the next day in Matamata, her father Nakuku preached against revenge. He said there'd been too much bloodshed already and people should trust in the justice of God. So in this place where the Christian faith had been shared, not only had the young girl Torori read the Gospel of Luke regularly to people, but her father had abandoned Utu to reduce bloodshed and to trust God for justice. 
The warrior, Uita, returned to Rotorua with Tororo's Gospel of Luke, but he wasn't able to read it. He asked a visiting ex-slave, Ripaho, of Natiroko, who had been educated and learned to read at another mission school, to explain the book to him. This then led the warrior, Uita, to embrace Christianity and to seek forgiveness from Nakuku. Together, they and their people reconciled. Ripaho, this is the ex-slave, later returned to the people in Otaki with a few pages from another edition of the same gospel. He was invited to read them to Tamihana Teropalaha, the son of the great chief Teropalaha, and also to Tamihana's cousin Matani Tefifi, to teach them to read. He needed more text to do the job properly, so they sent a messenger to Rotorua for more books. The book that was returned, somewhat worse for wear, was Tororo's Gospel of Luke, with Nakuku's name inscribed on it. In time, Tamihana, Matane, and Ripaho all became Christians. The book continued to help people, initially by teaching literacy, and later drawing them into the faith through the story it told. This occurred throughout Natirokawa and Natitoa. It was the great chief Teroparaha himself who provided the materials and labour for the construction of Rangiatea Church in Otaki. Late in his life, when he returned to Otaki, he issued the challenge of building the church to the chief of Nati Wehiwehi. The Rangatira accepted, and Teropraha thrust a sword given by Governor George Gray into the ground and famously said these words, Come and take possession of this weapon. I no more seek honour on earth. I seek honour in heaven. Go to and build us a church. He died in 1849, before the church was completed, where it actually occurred in 1851. It was the oldest Maori Anglican church in the country, until it was burnt by an arsonist in 1995. By 2003, Tahahi Rangiatea had been fully rebuilt to its original plan. Tamihana and Matari travelled south to visit many of the Waipunamu South Island tribes that years early had suffered greatly at the hands of the warrior chief Te Ropraha, Tamihana's father. They travelled to take the gospel of peace and reconciliation, and it is said they took Tarori's book of the Gospel of St. Luke with them and preached the Gospel of Peace from it.
In the New Zealand lectionary, Tarori of Waharoa, 1836, is remembered on the 19th of October each year. It puzzled me that it wasn't the 18th of October, the anniversary of her death, until I realised she was actually killed on the Saints' Day for Luke the Evangelist, the 18th of October. And so her day of remembrance is close by, the following day, which this year is next Tuesday. Tarori's grave was located in 1976 at the Matamata Pa site, near the village of Wahoro. And the following year a white cross headstone and plaque were created to commemorate her death, her father's forgiveness, and the spread of Christianity through New Zealand that was influenced by her book. You can go there today, and it is surrounded by a white picket fence. Now I'm sure Tarori's story will be known to numbers of you, and will, will be new to others. But it deserves a good understanding in this church of ours, because of its history, but also because Jean has created an icon of Tororo, and that is it on our altar. And you're very welcome to meditate upon it when you're in the church and it is displayed. Tarori is also the subject of the picture hanging from the um, pulpit there, which is actually a photograph of Jean's icon with some words about the story beside it. A further place to meditate. Our Gospel today was a parable about the slaves who needed to be ready when their master returns from the wedding banquet so that the door can be opened as soon as he knocks. They need to be ready they need to be ready at all times because the master may come in the middle of the night or at dawn. If they are ready to open the place and welcome him, says Jesus, the master himself will fasten his belt or gird his robes and serve them and eat with them. It would seem fantastic to the agrarian peasant people he was speaking to, but he was trying to communicate how urgent it is to be always active and alive in our faith because we never know when we'll be called upon. Tarori died ready, and this is the Gospel for Tarori's day. And her father Nakuku was ready, when other tragedy befell him with the death of his beloved daughter. We are all called to live in the same spirit, to take life seriously, to be a praying people open to the transcendent <clears throat> and to respond to people in need and to pass on these torn to others. Last week we had a marvellous interfaith service and in that spirit I want to finish by reflecting on an interview which tells a similar story 
of the great Sonny Bill Williams did on Radio New Zealand with Catherine Ryan earlier this week. I was probably in the car travelling somewhere and I heard it by chance. I think his struggle to find a way to live authentically, his conversion to Islam, and his commitment to faith and good deeds since is a contemporary example of what Jesus was trying to communicate. The interview was occasioned by the launch of his book, You Can't Stop the Sun from Shining, pretty cool title, where with the literary expertise of Alan Duff, he tells his life story. We're talking a man who is, about a man who is arguably the greatest sportsman this country has ever known. He is an athlete with immense talent and played at the top of the world in three different codes. Rugby League, Rugby Union and Boxing. I'm referring to two NRL National Rugby League Grand Final wins, two Rugby World Cup wins and a World Boxing Association WBA International Heavyweight Championship win. However, his big book tells the story of a small, unconfident, shy Samoan boy who experienced a lot of trauma on the wrong side of the tracks in South Auckland. He suffered severe burns to his legs in an accident in preschool. And there were some problems of drinking and gambling with his dad, even though he says his dad was a good father to him in other ways. A driving motivation for him as a kid was to one day get his mum a house with wallpaper on it. When he hits the big time sporting scene, he gets into trouble with alcohol and drugs and he feels his life has just become hollow. He said this, it was just self-destruction. It all came too fast. Like I said, I was never instilled or helped with the pressures that would come off the field. I struggled with it. I made a lot of selfish decisions, thought, well, I made it. I can go and drink with the boys, because that's all we do. He went to boxing to resolve a large debt he owed. And it was through Koda Nasser, his boxing manager, that he was introduced to Islam and turned to the faith that he says helped him, quote, face his inner demons. I quote again. It connected with me, in the sense that it's, da that it's a daily thing. It helped with the daily struggles that I was facing. It just connected with me. It connected with my soul and just made me happy. He went on to say, I have, sometimes I've made a lot of mistakes. But when I look at the man I see in the mirror today, I'm really proud. Because I know, although those struggles are still there, I strive daily to do better. I think any spiritual person will recognise the authenticity of those words. And his strive daily to be, to be better is as much our pilgrimage as his. I was very moved by his direct speaking on the interview and of course, like others, I am well aware of the many 
ways he helps young people today. His publicised meeting with the victim survivors of the mosque attacks in Christchurch gave an authentic Kiwi Muslim presence beyond that of other dignitaries. His story and the quality of life with his family and kids are outcomes of his spirituality. As Jesus says, when the pilgrim is alert, like Tarori and Nakuku, the Master will serve them, him or herself. This is not wisdom simply for Christians. It's wisdom for all people and all faiths. We need to live our lives with these sort of qualities continuously. As Sonny Bill says, when we do it, it just connects with our soul and makes us happy.